Yeah, Dave's a, Dave's a problem, isn't he? His name is Craven. He likes white ravens. And he will always use them to reduce your gold. His name is Dave. He cancels saves. He likes to make the opposition have bad days. His name is Tom. He plays for fun. But if you beat him, then he'll punch you in the face. It's the UK's fantastic podcast. This episode's the first, but it could be the last. With an opposed to claim banter. It's banter behind the throne. Hello, welcome to episode 17 of Banter Behind the Throne. Um, it's me and Peel tonight, because Dave is off in world representing the UK with no pressure whatsoever to win the world championship. Because if he doesn't, he's banned from entering the country, because I do have that power. In his absence, we are joined by Bambi. Now, Bambi is a good person to have on the show, because really, he's the principal architect behind the um, the scheme to get Dave to Worlds. I think it was about five minutes after Dave actually won Nationals, before Bambi had set up a, a Facebook group which encompassed several dozen people. He organised all the money, he encouraged everyone to sort of donate um, through eh, minor threats of violence in places, but he definitely got the money together and he's the whole reason Dave's away. So um, welcome to the cast, Bambi. Thank you. Um, just for anyone who doesn't know who you are, who maybe not met you at tournaments or whatever, just give us a little rundown of your Thrones history and all the things you've done and so forth. Um, I'm Bambi, been playing Thrones since March last year. Um, one of my very first tournament experiences was getting stomped by Dave playing Maesters. And I'm used to getting stomped uh, by noob stomping decks as I topped the Swiss at Nationals and then got beat by Craven's infamous noob stomping Greyjoy build. So, um, aside from that, I've had very little success in Game of Thrones, but I've met some nice friends. And that's all that matters. You're being very humble here. You've um you've won more than anyone else on this cast put together actually. So <laughs> um, we've replaced yeah. we've replaced Dave of just as good caliber of player. Um, so you're being very humble, but very good. And obviously Peel's here. Say hello, Peel. Hello. Okay, so this week we are going to run down um, taking the black. It's the new chapter pack, which is out in Italy. Is it Spain? It's- so, the first one is Will. He is a ranger. He's unique. Four gold, military and intrigue icon, and three strength. He is loyal. He's up a tree, by the looks of it. Uh, he's a ranger. He's stealth and insight. Insight's nice. Yep. Um, a forced reaction. After you lose an unopposed challenge, sacrifice a ranger you control. Well, I don't think that's that bad, to be honest. It's pretty good. Stealth yeah. and insight together are great. Yeah, but Night's Watch have got. I mean, I've played a little bit of Night's Watch so far, and it's quite easy to throw someone under the bus, isn't it? So to make sure these things don't go through unopposed. So I don't think that downside is necessarily that bad. It's not. It does, however, put more emphasis on you getting your characters like Old Bear out early to be able to defend those challenges more effectively. Yeah. Um, there aren't many rangers within the Night's Watch pool. I think there's three or four, so you've got Benjin. Well, Benjin's um, the ideal one for this, isn't he? Cause yeah. If he's, if he's, oh, no, Sacrifice. Yeah. It will work for him, because Sacrifice is discarded now, isn't it? It is. Sacrifice does suggest death, though, doesn't it? 
Yeah, it's a strange wording. Yeah, if someone told me I was going to be sacrificed, I'd assume I'd be dying. Yeah, um, I, would, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would assume I was going to be put in a pile somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> just pushed to one side. <laughs> yeah, you go over there yeah. now. Uh, that wouldn't really count. I mean, I'd... the Aztecs were fucking this up for years, weren't they? <laughs> they were hacking hearts out of people. You should have just tossed them down the side and they could have walked home later on. You could have seen them again. Maybe Silly just... Aztecs. <laughs> But apart, okay, well, obviously Benjamin isn't the ideal one then. Um, no. But yeah, I mean, this is going to get more comfortable as more ranges come out. But as it stands now, I think any new unique coming into the pool is going to be rated higher than perhaps they might be yeah. later on. Yeah, for sure. But it's a new body, so you have to keep running dupes of the same guys. So, Which is I mean, always good. Stealth in Night's Watch is really, really good as well for a number of reasons. Primarily in that you're going to be defending a lot of challenges and trying to not lose that unopposed so you're going to be kneeling more characters than the average deck would be to try and mitigate that yeah. so therefore the stealth gives you a great bonus because if you knelt out of a lot of your characters and you've only got a couple left you can pick that key challenge that you want to try and push through to try and trigger that insight and the one good thing for Night's Watch as well is they've already got some really really strong draw cards so the yeah. more of that they can get in there it helps mitigate that downside they have which is they find a struggle to push for the win at the end so the more they can get to help that is good and um, does this also make night's watch have the at least i know it's not much at this stage but the, the highest concentration of um sort of native insight characters uh i believe so yes them and sam i mean they only need two don't they but yep. I mean, they have got the yeah best opportunity to draw through challenges now yeah for sure yeah i mean we've got maester lewin coming up who does give out insight but in terms of on his own yeah i think it's all right um it's definitely going to obviously depend on what the rangers end up being like and the stewards and so forth. But as it stands now, pretty solid. He's not yeah. the dog's bollocks, but he's certainly not just bollocks. It's got a lot of good room for design space as well because anything that they put into the pool that once a ranger's sacrifice do X that works with him, you could potentially turn that downside into a plus side. So. Yeah, exactly. So he's not top table, but he's pushing for European qualification. And he definitely has the best artwork so far in Game of Thrones 2.0. In the oh, world. you're jumping to the listener questions bit. Hold, hold your horses. <laughs> Goddamn me. Also, he's okay. up a tree. And I think anyone who's willing to sit up a tree with a dagger in his mouth and, you know, anyone who can pass that through a risk assessment form is, is yeah. clearly <laughs> ahead of the curve, really. Yeah, Night's, Night's Watch risk assessments. That department is... <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. That, that department needs serious reorganisation. Yeah, the head of it is Maester Raymond. You can see what it's for into shit. You yeah. can't read the forms or anything. He's just signing anything. <laughs> so, Peel, do you want to take the next one, mate? I will do. Uh, the next card we have is an event. It costs one gold, and it is called The Watch Has Need. Action, name a trait, builder, ranger, or steward. Search the top X cards of your deck for any number of characters with that trait. Reveal them, add them to your hand, shuffle the other cards back into your deck. X is your reserve value. Okay, wordy. It is a bit. Yeah. Me personally, it's draw. It is draw, but I can't see this bumping out other events. I was going to say. I mean, it could be in the future. You want all the builders, like you might <laughs> just want all the builders, and if you want all the builders, then that would be quite useful. Or if you wanted all the rangers, again, that would be quite useful. But at the moment, it would just be, you might get a card out of it. You're probably going to get them. I think I can't see anyone drawing six cards and having an amazing sec section from it. I think the most you're really going to get from that is about one card. And you'll be like, 
it's probably going to be a duplicate as well at this point in time. Yeah, this is my problem with it. I mean, this suggests to me that eventually we're going to see Nightwatch decks, which are all builders, all rangers, all stewards, as, a, as a, like a legit possibility. Mm. And when that happens, this card is going to be brilliant. It's going to be kind of like, um, what's that Tully one? Family duty honor, you know? Yeah. That, that, kind of, that massive acceleration of things in your hand. But as it stands now, I think Bambi mentioned a second ago that there's only a couple of rangers. There's only a couple of builders. And most of those have a shitty little reducer. Well, this actually does find some of their strong cards. So it can find Jon Snow, Maester Raymond, Benjin. Uh, for added banter, it can actually find the Lannisport Merchant if you're playing it with a banner to the line for some unknown reason. Oh, is he a steward? Uh, he is a steward, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Exactly. But also, it could miss. And you, yeah, need to, you need to build your plot deck around this if you really want to be digging for a specific person. Yeah. Whereas later on, if you've got a reserve value on like three or four, it doesn't really matter because there's a good chance of hitting. So I think it's it's certainly all right, but I can't see it making any any kind of dents in the old event market. No. Just yet. It's not going to rock the Casbah. Certainly not. But also, it's not just bollocks either. It's got potential. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Okay. Maester Lewin, Bambi, take it away. Um, you can read the translation, of course, if you right. wish. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try and read it in Italian. Finche controlli. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Marco. Uh, Maester Lewin, um, he has, while you control Rob Stark, he gains insight. If you control Jon Snow, he gains stealth. Bran Stark, he gains immune to opponent's plot effects. And if you have Rick and Stark, he gains pillage. <laughs> I'm sorry, but out of all the people you could give pillage to, Rickon Stark would not be my number one suggestion. Just a <laughs> yeah. little four-year-old just running at you going, I'm going to take that fucking house and I'm going to burn it to the ground. Yeah, so far the only people in the game who've got pillage are him, Euron, and an army of Ironborn Raiders. Yeah. <laughs> is that an insult? <laughs> I'm not sure. Also as well, I feel like what, is, some. <laughs> what is Maester Lewin pillaging things? He's a fucking maester. <laughs> yeah, well, it's... It, I think this one is is uh, a kind of I, I do like the fact it does combine a nice watch and uh, Stark because obviously Jon Snow is that nicey watchy guy. Well, I reckon it means something different. I reckon we got a Stark Jon Snow coming down the pipe. Ooh, ooh, ooh! That's a point. Yeah, put that on. Write that down. Stick it in your pocket. <laughs> I mean, he's very Nedley in that he's obviously oh. hitting all the Stark children and Isn't getting it? something from them. Isn't it so Nedley? I, I'm really impressed actually overall. I mean, jumping ahead, taking this whole pack, I'm really impressed with like the Nedley touches in it. I completely agree. I'm I'm so chuffed with it. It gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling inside, um, and especially this card. I think it's the Nedliest one yet because Maester Lewin <coughs> does act like a sort of separate parent to these kids because Eddard's yep. busy all the time. He's the yep. warden of the North when he's not being the hand of a king. Cat is, you know, she's she's a lady of the manor. She's got things to deal with, but this. Lewin's one of those maesters who's so ingrained in his household. You, you, you've got no kind of possibility of Lewin really being a neutral advisor. He is almost as stark as any one of them. And he brought all these kids up. And I, I think it's fantastic. It's, it's such a good design. Yeah. In addition to him getting something in relation to one of the children, because of the situational nature of the card as well, it makes even more Nedley because as a maester, he's dependent upon what can he provide in certain situations. And that, again, just makes it so much more enjoyable to see the card and the Nedley aspect of it. Yeah, he's not getting anything from them. Yeah. He he doesn't change. He's always going to be a two-strength intrigue power icon. But they are going to benefit from him being around. Absolutely. It's so good. Yeah. It really is good. 
Um, also, the Italian word for stealth is amazing. Fertivita. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, what do you think of his strength to cost ratios? I mean, it's pretty okay, two strength for three gold. I mean, even as a one-off, he's not going to really hurt your curve. No, no. I mean, first edition me is worried because, oh, Venomous Blade and Enslaved, but we haven't got to worry about that. Oh, no, Enslaved won't hit him, will it? No. No, okay. Venomous Blade would, of course. But, um, no, I think it's all right. He's, after all, he's a maester. Yeah? yeah. He's not meant to be sort of single-handed, like roundhousing people. Um, I mean, that could so, have got him out of being killed on a tree. Yeah, as we it mentioned last week, yeah. he studied a bit harder for his Iron Link rather than looking up magic. He wouldn't have died against a tree. But he's a good old boy. He looks older in this art than I imagined him to, though. He really does, yeah. Um, he looks I a quite... lot younger than I, I'd imagined him to be. Continued. Really? Well, I like he... most of Lewin in the show, and he looked a bit. That's what I mean. Well, this guy's eating well. Look at him. He's a Stark. They all eat well, don't they? Yeah. Uh, my only problem with the card is the larger the card pool gets, potentially, I mean, we don't know how many versions of each character come out, but the larger the card pool gets, the less good he gets. Because now, if you're running a Stark deck, with the exception of Jon Snow, you're putting all of those characters in your deck. Whereas the more the card pool expands, the likelihood you're going to include all of those characters in your deck diminishes somewhat, so he becomes less of a potent ability. Well, yeah, this is a cock-up, perhaps, on my part, but does Rickon Stark exist in the pool yet? Yes. Does he? Yes. And then we got Bran. And then we got Rob. I can't ever remember seeing Rickon. Actually, now you're saying that. Bran's the event cancel. He's C3. He is. Rob is the standy one. John exists, obviously, as the Night's Watch. But Rickon, I don't think, does. I'm honest already. So you're absolutely right. Unless they put these named characters in like a Dulux Stark expansion, oh, he has got a shelf life in terms of being completely effective. Apparently he's here. Uh, but he's not... Oh, okay. No. Are you, se- are you searching first edition cards by accident, Bill? No, I'm searching there... second edition, but it's come up there... with first edition cards. There is no Rick on Stark in second edition currently. So, if he's coming out in a pack, um, Lewin has got a shelf life. Yep. There but we I go. think it's to be expected that Evergreen products will include the major named characters. So yeah, yeah, for sure. I just like the idea of you could have a Stark child army. Uh, you know, just have <laughs> all the Stark children, and then it's like, child oh, no. army. what are you going to do with that? And then you go, Lewin. No! Lewin activates all the children. And Rickon just point. comes in and blows up your buildings. That's my favourite thing about it, the fact that Rickon's blowing up buildings. Um, and then Craven steals all their rum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's less than 10% true. I bought it, all right? I paid the gold price. Um, so... Giving Rob, giving Rob insight is the big, best one. Yeah, for sure. So he goes in every core deck at the moment because every core deck is running Rob. Yep, definitely. Right, so Lady, Direwolf, Stark character only, Terminal, attached character, gets plus two strength. As an action, you can pay one gold to attach Lady to a different character. If the attached character is Sansa, stand her. Well, there's synergy there for days, obviously. Mm. Um... Being able to jump this attachment around is pretty good. Yes. I haven't seen that before, really, apart from Freezing Rain. That's a negative attachment from 1st edition. So that's quite interesting. Um, yeah, I like it. I, it's nice to see a Direwolf attachment as well, because... Um, well, it's not, is it? Also, yeah, just... Uh, it yeah. oh, you can only do it once per round, but what you could effectively do with Sansa, obviously, because when she stands, she gains power uh, for the faction. 
you could effectively every round bounce the attachment off and on it for two gold apiece yeah. and uh, trigger that. Yeah, limited though, isn't it? So yeah. But I know I really like that. Good design. I've got no problems with this at all. Better one of in stark decks at the moment. Yep. Um, pretty solid for one gold. And I keep forgetting, of course, it's really hard to remember this when you're trying to still practice for things like Starlick, but obviously you can set up attachments. Yep. So. Strange yeah. artwork. Funny Looks sh- very different to the rest of the pack. Funny you should say strange, mate. I mean, we jumped ahead a little bit here, but I mean, you've already st- sort of pegged Willis your best art so far. It looks loving. Lady is my best art. Okay. It's gone in there with my top three artwork ever. Wow. I, it actually it elicited a sort of small, like, emotional reaction in me when I looked at this card. No, it really is fantastic. Nice. I, I absolutely love it. Um, I don't know who's the artist. It doesn't I can't really make it out. Um, Looks like a one-worded artist. Yeah, Smir- I think it says Smirtui. Not sure. Um uh, it's absolutely fantastic. This, this card is beautiful. If it was shit, I'd put it in my deck as a one-off just because it looked so nice. Yeah. I have been known to do that. Um, <laughs> um, I think it's beautiful. Uh, it really, really is a fantastic bit of art. Um, so, yeah, this is... I mean, we're jumping ahead to viewer questions, but listener questions. Um, Let's go. We're answering them on the fly. But th- this is mine, hands down. And like I said, it's jumped in there probably <coughs> in my top three Game of Thrones cards of all time. Wow. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. So, when we when I'm done gushing, um, Cavalieri di Arbor, which I'm sure means Knight of the Arbor. Knight of the Arbor, take it away, Bill. <laughs> House Red Wine, uh, Knight. Challenges action: pay one gold to choose a participating House Red Wine character. Until the end of the challenge, that character gets plus one strength. Limit three times per phase. So, obviously. How many cards are there for red wine? I'm going to look now. Not that many at the moment, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I would imagine there's barely any, to be honest. However, this is opening up doors of stuff to come, which is always nice to see. It's also as well, you can just, for me, I'd be more interested in using the Billy on himself rather than trying to get the versatility out of other characters. If you've got leftover gold that you were hoping to use for an event that you didn't trigger or you just couldn't spend, you can give him a little strength pump, which in second edition, with less characters, that strength pump, especially towards the lower end of the curve, can really help you push through a challenge. And he's got two icons. Like He's not bad for his cost. It's just certainly not bad at all. There's one person so far with that trait, and that's Paxter. So yep. um, that's obviously going to get better. Well, I think um, the reason this guy is so good is because he's at that two gold cost, which means you can start getting rid of left and right. Yeah. Who are terrible. Um, the, if they were non-unique, they wouldn't be so bad. Obviously, that would be completely ridiculous because they are unique characters. But the reason they're so bad is nothing else would exist at that, that cost. Yeah, Tyrell. So you kind of feel obligated to put them in as triplicate, and they are shit. So at least this goes some way to reducing the amount of those guys in your deck. He's good on his own, and also his strength pump doesn't exist in a vacuum. So there's loads of other ways to pump his strength. Yeah. Um, so if you want to ramp this win you up, it's fairly easy to do so. And that intrigue icon is crucial. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. Pretty good. What do you reckon, Peel? Dogs bollocks or just bollocks? Or oh, just a bit of bollocks, really. I, I, I haven't played Tyrell yet, though. I must admit. Um, 
They are the one house that I think I've not actually played against or played with since second edition came out. Yeah, I found myself really reluctant to build a, a Tyrell or a mm. Night's Watch deck because I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing here because they're new. I have but, played uh, against a Night's Watch deck, funnily enough, you should say. That, Dave's Martell Night's Watch, I guess. Uh, no, it was entirely Night's Watch deck. Oh, really? Uh, How yeah. Um, well, I, I, I came away with the victory in the end. Um, but, I mean, it, it was at that. We went to. Uh, I, I'll mention it later. We did. Me and Dave did attend a tournament in Stoke on the Sunday. Oh, of course. That was last Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah. It was well, on, on Sunday. You went to on the Sunday, you did, yeah. Um, you did the welcome thing on Saturday, yeah. We did, yes, um, which I'll also bring up later. I forgot to we'll add that in, put that in. Um, but no, I played against a whole a nice watch one, and I, I did ask the person if he'd played first edition, uh, and his answer was no. And I, I, I had a suspicion he hadn't played first edition because he was playing nice watch. Um, <laughs> and that, that was my giveaway. But I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes out of them because they are a new house. They are a new faction. You know, things can only get better, really. I, I played a fealty deck. I, I ran it against um, a guy, Alex, who um, plays locally in Rayleigh. Um, it's okay, but it just needs a bit more at the lower end. So this guy is going to help a lot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I quite like him. Art's pretty cool as well, but what is a guy in full armour doing pressing about on the beach? I uh, know. <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> what? Who's he charging at there? <laughs> no one. He's just dicking around. Yep. Come on, mate. So what you're basically saying is let's stop dicking around on the beach in full armour and get cracking on... Well, think, there's a cavalry charge going on somewhere. We're like, oh, where's John? Oh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> and he's practising on the beach. Oh, yeah, like, you know, stop fucking about on the beach, John. Yeah, people are dying. <laughs> that lance is important. You need to break a shield ball, son. It's get supposed to... to be a grandiose piece of picturesque artwork. Oh, maybe it's yeah. Maybe it's we've not destroyed it in about two minutes. But but reality wise, yeah, no knight rides up and down the you know the tide in yeah. full armor and you know full battle attire, and also yeah. in like perfect cleanliness. Typical Tyrell. Typical Tyrell. Flower boy. Which segues nicely onto our next card, Bambi. Yes, the next card. It's a good one, ladies and gentlemen. It's the pleasure barge. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Uh, the Pleasure Barge is a boat, shockingly. Uh, it's immune to card effects and has the reaction. After you marshal Pleasure Barge, if you have not yet drawn any cards this phase, draw three cards. It does have the downside, however, of having minus one gold on the location. Most Pleasure Barges don't pay for themselves. They do not. This this is one thing. I, I, I do have to ask this, and I know it's probably a really stupid question. But obviously, I'm assuming this is not including the, yeah. the, the draw phase. Because um, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming this is yeah. after this. We're drawing after that, and no other triggered effects are coming yeah, in. If you have not drawn any cards this phase, right? That's so fine then. The draw phase will close. Then you marshal. Then this. we'll have the marshalling phase, and then this will that's marshal. Fine. Right. Excellent. I thought he was going to ask, like, why? What is a pleasure barge? But <laughs> they're, they're, they're all prostitutes, Peel. <laughs> if um, you look at the picture, even the boat looks Volva-esque. So. Yeah, it's very HR Geiger like, isn't it? Yes. It's very suggestive by its landscape. Um, HR Geiger quotes on this podcast, folks. That's right. <laughs> um, so, what do you reckon, Babby? It's a fantastically designed. Well, so, card. This is a bit of you, isn't it? I mean, this is old school yeah. Lannister. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many things to say about it. It's not unique, so you can play multiple copies of it. Yep. Um, I'm not sure, well, obviously it's loyal, so you can only play it out of Tyrell, but with being zero cost, it completely negates any use of fealty, so that's kind of it. 
a downer on it. Obviously, the drawing three cards is sensational. Yeah. But you have to weigh it up with, for the rest of the game, you're getting minus one golds. Obviously, you know, it, thankfully they've put on there that it is immune to any other card effects because otherwise you could play it and then find some way to discard it, you know, yeah. in the longevity of the game, which would just be broken as fuck. Um, I mean, the interesting thing for me is the net draw, because you obviously you have to play this card, your net draw is you're only getting two cards out effectively because you're spending one card to get three. Yeah, one becomes three, yeah. And that one card that you're spending to get the three is a massive detrimental cost for the rest of the game. So it's a really kind of difficult situation to know when to play that card because you don't really want to be playing it early, especially in the current core environment where the economy base is very, very hard to get right. And as soon as you start putting negative impacts on that, it could really mess with your curve and you could be stuck every turn not being able to play what you want. So I love the design space that it's created, but I'm not sure how effective it's going to be as a card going forward. I think it's going to get better as it goes on. At the moment, so many decks are packed out with multiple copies of very expensive uniques at the top end because there's no other option. Yep. Um, as this goes on, and you can start to spread that curve out and make it a bit more balanced... Because, I mean, despite what people kind of want to happen, I, I do think we're going to get into a position where we're going to be emulating first edition cost curves to a, to a large extent, i.e. single copies of expensive uniques being quite a minority and the middle ground being packed out. Yeah. So I think this is, the, the downside is going to get a little bit easier to manage as it goes on, but I think the ultimate question is always going to be with this card, how many do you put in? Yeah. yeah you, don't want to, sure. you don't want three of these in. You don't, you don't draw three of them. What happens if there's a well? If there's ever a point where you have to sacrifice a location, at least it's kind of made the decision for you. But the thing oh, is, it's immune to card effects, isn't it? So, uh, I mean, what about plot? Plot still a card. Ah, this once this thing's down, it's it's down. Yeah, yeah, it's not going anywhere. So it is a tough call. Mm. But when you look through the history of cards that allow you to draw free. The downsides or the conditions have always been a little bit tricky. I mean, flea button yeah. scavenge is the easiest one to get around in these yeah. days. You can just marshal them. But what, what are the other ones? I mean, there's the there's the epic battle for Baratheon, but that allows both players to do it. And then, of yeah. course, there's um, the riches of the Reach or raiding the Reach or whatever. Well, after you've done the three cards, you can't draw again. Yep. Which is the whole reason why that card never sees play. Yep. Um, so this downside is it's not the worst it's ever been. No, uh, th obviously the one thing that's going to hold it in check is how prevalent Lannister builds, specifically those that are going to run multiple copies of Treachery, exist in the meta. Because if you play this card and that ability gets Treacheried, you're going to have one minus one goal for the rest of the game and no draw from the card. So What a show for it, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, I, I, I can't help but feel that Unless design space has, has had a bit of a cock-up, Tyrell aren't going to get a great deal of draw in-house now. That was going to be my final point, was Tyrell don't have much draw as it stands anyway, so it's good to give them some draw. But I don't yeah. think any more is coming down the pipe, because as soon as you get another reliable sort of draw, this card's never going to see play. And I know it has happened in the past. We've seen cards which come out, and then they're invalidated quite quickly. But I like to think with second edition coming out and all the lessons they've learned, that's not going to happen again. So this suggests to me, Tyrell aren't going to get a great deal of it. Because otherwise, card is binder fodder. Yeah. Agreed. What do you reckon, Peel? 
Um, I think it. I don't know. It's it's a tough one. If if they were still using influence to trigger ambush, then I could see it being useful in that sense. But apart from oh, that, oh, you reckon like another way of paying for things? Yeah, mm. like an alternative economy. So you just but, yeah, you basically just flip it out. in lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would have really made a, a difference. But, mm. but at yeah. the moment, no. no. I can hear you bottling up your Ocart. Yeah, it's another another round. <laughs> okay, right. So it's back to me, isn't it? Randy Braffian. He's been spoiled for ages. I think we talked about him before. We've yeah. talked about these last week. That's what I was just going to say. We've yeah, also got so, the Warhammer, the Hounds, some other stuff. And so Warhouse. So we're, we're going to skip over these four. I Loyal think, listeners will know what we think about them. I reckon that you, we should go on to your favourite card ever, or my favourite card ever. I think we should. Mm. I'm going to do this one. You can get the next one. Thank you. This is the Seastone Chair. Oh. Look at, look at it. It's so good. Um, anyway, right. The, the artwork is fantastic. I don't think... Balon's chair really looks like that, to be honest. I would doesn't look very comfortable. No, I would not want to sit in that. That's better than your own throne as well. Um, anyway, it's Iron Island. It's one cost. It's one cost. Ridiculous. Um, it's unique, obviously. And it is loyal. It has an interrupt. When claim is applied <laughs> for unopposed military challenge in which you are the attacking player, kneel your faction card to choose a character without attachments controlled by the losing opponent. Instead of a normal claim effect, kill that character. It's murder tech, Craven. Murder tech. I fucking love it. This is absolutely super. I, I think that's fantastic. It's just, aha, I get to choose what I'm going to kill. Woo, woo, woo. Now, I think it's fantastic, not because I think it's OP or because it isn't OP. It's got some very good conditions which I think keep it in check. It's unopposed military challenges. So it telegraphs what's going to happen to someone straight away. Okay. This is what's going to happen if you do this for unopposed. Along with all the other stuff that goes on with Greyjoy, you've got to deal with this. So it's not a surprise. It's, it's right there. It's on the table before challenges even start. You have to kneel your faction card. So we already know kneeling faction cards does enable a lot of stuff, especially out of, obviously out of fealty builds, but I think this is going to be a mechanic going forward. So it's an opportunity cost for you to do it. No attachments. Now attachments are stronger. People are playing more of them. So that gives it a little bit of safety. And also, it doesn't work very nicely with two claim or above plots. But in terms of picking off that problem of Varys, of Robert, or whatever, fantastic. And this is going to be a one-of in Greyjoy decks for a long time, regardless of what comes out. This one of these in your deck is an absolute certainty. It's fantastic. I think it's great. Um, I, I'm going to disagree slightly. I mean, it, it's it's a good card, but you've just hit the nail on the head for me, Craig. I mean, usually, as we all know, we're all, you know, clever card players. More text means better cards. The more text the yeah. card has, usually yeah. it means the card's better. That's just logical. But here, there's so many things. Like, first you have to win an unopposed military challenge. Um, then you have to kneel your faction card. You have to choose a character without attachments. Um, controlled by the losing opponent, which is pertinent in case anyone's thinking of playing it in melee. Um, and it, lo- like you've already said, it, if you're running a two-claim plot, it's mitigated. It's a threat on the board, which is a good threat, but I don't understand all this hoo-ha that people are kicking up about how you know it's, it's overpowered. It's, it's certainly, not overpowered. Certainly not OP. I think it's a great bit of design. I don't think it's overpowered. I would like to just mention that. That's not overpowered because... The amount of times you've got like a little chud on the board um, with a military icon, you can just 
there you go. Challenge isn't unopposed the second you put that little chud in. If, if anything, I, I would find that more useful as a way of making people enter challenges if I'm going first. If I look at the board and realise I can't get through a one-claim military challenge, they're going to want to just bend, kneel down a character just to stop me getting something unopposed against them. So if anything, it's a little hand to just make sure that people just go, oh, it's only a military, I've got duplicates on multiple things, I'll just let it through. You know, it, it's, it's a way of people just going, hang on a minute, no, I can't do that like I used to, I'm going to have to block it a little bit, which is kind of making people take military challenges a little bit more seriously, which I, I quite like, because they yeah. are, at the moment, not the most threatening challenge. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I don't like, especially in the current core environment with people running a lot of 3Xs of their big characters, is it's kind of a win-more card that doesn't cost much, i.e., if you can pull this off and you're a Greyjoy, so you're rushing and keeping their board relatively clear anyway, you drop this, you can, with your stealth, push through that military challenge. You, you're already going to be in the point of that by then. That if you're getting that challenge through unopposed anyway, their board's probably going to be pretty clear. It's just a bit of a win-more card. I don't, I don't really yeah. like that, especially for the kind of cost and murder effects. I'd it agree. just seems a bit of a. Yeah, I yeah. think it definitely. I think it really qualifies as a win-more card, but it does far up my loins. Is that because you like playing noob stomping decks, Craven? <laughs> I do. I love Greyjoy. I really do. We discussed this off air, but my previous assertion that I may have taken Greyjoy as far as I can and I won't play them anymore. I may be going back on that. That's all I'm saying. Um, I'm Ironborn. What can I say? I'm, stick- I'm <laughs> um, sticking with them in second edition, I must admit. They're just just—they're too entertaining to play with. There's just uh, I just like the, the high claim Milanophos effects. It's like, wee. Basically, Greyjoy are cool because they are Viking pirates. Yep. That's yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, Viking that's, pirates. That's effectively They're cool it. in anyone's book. If they, all we need to now add in is ninjas, robots, and cowboys, and they've got it all. <laughs> and in fact, yeah, if there was a house that combined cowboys and ninjas, I'd probably play them as well as Vikings and pirates. Yeah. I, I, but, I mean, no one else has got cowboy or ninja anywhere near it. No. So we've got two out of five. Yep. Legit. Right. So we're, we're, we're a little bit tall on that one. Um, I like it. Peel obviously likes it. Bambi, I'm not sold. Not sold. I like it. Um, but I won't run three. You know, it's the, the artwork. Whilst fantastic, is very phallic, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> very phallic. You take those. Te- you just take those tentacles out. Look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially the top part of it. Take the tentacles out. What have you got? It looks <laughs> like a spiky bellend. Yep. Thanks for that. <laughs> for, for cock chair. Um, <laughs> Here we're going in, mate. Take the next one. Oh, yes. This, Spoilers, this, I think it's great. This is my favourite card, possibly, from first edition. Uh, it was my, always my favourite plot. Uh, it's the plot I'd bring out when everything was going well, and the plot I'd hate, I, the plot I hated to have when everything was going bad. It is, of course, Rise of the Kraken. Uh, when you gain a power for winning an unopposed challenge, gain two power instead. Limits one per plot deck, but the stats on it consist of two... Eight two, so you're getting to go first, and you're getting to have two claim most of the time. And we've got a gold, and we've an got gold. an extra gold, which in second edition doesn't really help. To yeah, it keeps it on par. Yeah, uh, the the best part about this card is I want to know who that guy is because he looks like he's having a fucking whale of a time. He's like, "Way, yes. how you doing?" He man? looks fantastic. He this is a little top tip for you. If someone comes at you one looking like that, and two holding an axe like that. They're going to fuck you up. And also holding what looks like uh, a swordfish. 
I, I'd, I'd like Nose? to he's just swung in off the side of the ship holding his axe. Like, just yeah, swung down from the rafters. But gone, someone holding an axe like that isn't, isn't preparing to hit you with it. They are preparing to put that in you. Um, this guy means business. And look at the beard on the guy. Yeah. Someone grows a beard like that. He's pretty stacked. This guy knows business. <laughs> he's, he, he knows what he's there for. He's here to yeah. fuck shit up. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, when that car comes out, I think it will inspire the same fear as that, as that man would inspire if he, if he ran at you from the beach. Um, I mean, this card exists in, in two real kind of, well, two opportunities in, in first edition, I guess. You, you play this when you're looking to close. But yeah. also, when you've got a good economy base, you've got a good characters out, mid-game, this yeah. ends games. It can turn a game around in a second. It puts games to bed. Not only does it absolutely decimate board position, potentially, but um, yeah, if you time this right, it gives you an almost unassailable power lead. Um, it's fantastic. And I'm... Oh, I can't tell you how glad I am to see it this early. I had no idea it was coming back. If you can time yeah. this after a Valor turn, then it's the best card in the game. Yeah, I mean, if you can time it on a, on a Wildfire turn and go first. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and you've got spare saves knocking around or even any, anything. If you can just keep your character... If you have the power uh, and the military challenge, if you've got more military strength, that two claim can take away two of them on a Wildfire turn. And let's not discount the, um, the, the psychological effect of flipping this and going to someone, no, you first. <laughs> and they're like, um, I've never shit. tried that before. I'm, I might have to try that at some point. <laughs> oh, quite rarely do I go. If I'm flipping to close, I'll go first. Oh, no, but I, I, if I flip this mid-game, I'm always like, no, no, after you. Because <laughs> then people are like, shit. Like, no, no challenges? Brilliant. Yep. <laughs> It's nice as well to see there's this one and one will come to you later, but you've got house specific loyal plots, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it really ha- it sort of hammers home the flavour, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's a great flavour aspect to add into the deck, as you say. Yeah. So I, I'm going to say, out of all the cards in the pack, apart from Ladies' Art, which is Dog's Bollocks, this is my first, the Dog's Bollocks. Yeah. I'll second that uh, motion. Yep. So, um, uh, Bambi. Principe Merchante. Yeah. The Merchant Prince. He is a companion and has the text, While Merchant Prince has an attachment, he gets plus one strength and a military icon. So, he is three strength to start with, with just an intrigue icon. And because uh, I was bored at work, I went through all this list and wrote down some brief points on all of them. And literally next to the Merchant Prince, I wrote the text, Meh, full stop, next, full stop. Mm. He's he's not great. He's entirely reliant on other attachments coming to the pool because at the moment we're going to give him an arak. Yeah, exactly. And you're not and really going to do that, are you? And a unique attachment as well. It's unique, yeah. isn't it? Drago's arak is unique, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So what the fuck are you playing at? And the thing is, as well, like why, like why, why would you put an attachment on him? Like, okay, at the end of the day. He only gets the benefit from his text box from, like, really from having one attachment because it's the military icon you're giving him for. I mean, sure, extra strength, and you could pump him and make a, a Voltron merchant prince deck. But if you do that, you're a moron. Yeah. But he's a three cost monocon for three with three strength, effectively. If you're not going to put your good attachments on him, which I can't see why you would do, I just, it all just seems a bit odd to me. I don't see why you choose to play it. Yeah. If you're holding a, uh, a slam dunk attachment in your hand, 
and you're putting on this guy. Something's gone really fucking wrong. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the current core set, you've got all the house-specific weapons. None of them you really want to put on him. I mean, I guess uh, if you're doing a Targ, Lannister deck, Widow's Whale kind of works with him because it's cheap. Um, You're effectively turning him into a a better version of Joffrey. Well, not really, but because he can gain more strength and more attachments. I mean, what else are you going to put on him? You're not going to put Seal of the Hand on him because you're not a moron. Um, Where At the moment, you don't really get any benefit from it whatsoever. I mean, look at his art, right? He even looks uncertain himself. It does. It's like someone saying to him, "Yeah, mate. Um, any you could take this Valyrian steel sword?" He's like, "Well, I don't know, mate. I'm a cheese merchant. No, no. Just, it doesn't actually specify. He's a weapon merchant. Does it? This guy could sell carpets. You know, he's like, oh, mate. I'm a used donkey cart salesman. No, no. Just hold this sword, and you see that fellow over there. Fucking hell, actually, you're on Greyjoy. Yeah, no, just go and hit him. No, fuck that. I'm not interested. I'll sell you some fish fingers. No, no. You've got to take this. Off you go." It's terrible, isn't it? It's not great. No. It, it's funny as well because the the artwork on the card is quite minimalistic in terms of what's there, aside from the fact that he looks like he's married. He's wearing a wedding ring. So Is that on his wedding ring? It is. Actually, at this point, I'd like to do a, a very brief shout-out to my lovely wife. It's her birthday today, and she is um, a an ardent fan of the show. She always shares this. And um, I've, I've taken time out of her birthday to, to record this. So while we mention wedding rings, happy birthday to my lovely wife. Anyone listening to this, um, do me a favour, drop a little message when you hear it on our Facebook page saying happy birthday to Amy, um, it's A-M-I-E, just to be specific. And um, yeah, I'm sure she'll really appreciate that because I've taken time out of her birthday to record this. Anyway, um, yeah, we're not really sold in this for her, are we? No. No, no. You can keep your bloody, your mercantile wares, fella. You ain't going in anywhere. Agreed. Does he even replace a free drop in the current environment? I don't think he does. No, I mean, I, I would, I, I wouldn't even play him at all. Not even as a one-off, just for extra consistency in terms of being able to remove something else because everything else is just better. Yeah, what we need here is new uniques, and uh, shitty non-unique is no good to us. Yeah. So that's fine. Um, back to me then. Vastofrak, two horses going at it, fighting. Not you know the other way. Um, <laughs> That's the art, at least. Um, it's Essos. Reaction. After you reveal a plot card, discard an attachment from your hand to choose an attachment of equal or lower printed cost and discard it from play. I got bored halfway through that. Yeah. Just no. Yeah, I can't see where you'd want to take up space in your deck for this card. I mean... What are you going to discard and what are you going to get rid of at this stage? You've got yeah, exactly. the copy. We've got <coughs> confiscation for that. Hand of a king? Or sit of a hand, sorry. Or one of a unique attachments, which aren't actually in every house. So you can hit Ice or um, Heart's Bane, uh, Widow's Whale. The only way I think this could be possibly useful is if Valor was reprinted, and you played it on a Valor turn, and they had a bodyguard on someone, and you had an attachment on one of your guys, and then you could get rid of your attachment and get rid of the bodyguard if your plot triggered first. And that is a, a laundry list of conditions. Exactly. Yeah. Which... There's, there's more efficient ways of doing this. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I do like is that it started to reinforce at an early date that Targ may still be the house that has attachment hate like it did in first edition, which was quite cool. Yeah, I mean, this card and the previous card do definitely suggest there's a lot of attachments coming down the pipe. Yep, for sure. So they will get better, but at the moment they're dump. Yep. 
I mean, as well, like if you're playing that card, that means you're making the conscious effort to hold other attachments in your hand so that you can, um, sorry, from you're basically choosing to keep attachments around just to use its effect. And then and, giving yourself ne- almost negative card advantage. Or, yeah. no, on par, you're losing a card from him losing a card. Yep. And if, to make it effective, you're going to have to probably overextend slightly in terms of the number of attachments you're playing in your deck because this is taking up deck space. So if you're taking up that deck space, you need to make sure you're going to be able to trigger it when you need to trigger it. There's just so many things that just make us... You hit an opponent who's running minimal amounts of attachments, this card becomes next to useless. Absolutely. And we haven't got the opportunity in the current environment to be doing that. Yep. So I think this is just bollocks. I agree. Peel. On to me. You've uh, got a bastard daughter. I have got a bastard daughter. Uh, yeah. Which is a, a bigly bastard. I just wasn't around enough when she was growing up. Um, but either way, it's an interrupt when bastard daughter or red viper is killed. Discard bastard. one card at random from each opponent's hand. Now, that could be quite fun in melee and also quite useful to claim soak. And it's a uh, two gold, uh, one strength with a military icon. That's right. Bastardo. Yeah. So, for example, yeah, if she dies, um, it would be quite fun, you know. Oh, no, you've killed her. I'll have one of your cards. I'll have one of your cards. I'll have one of your cards. Ah! But, yeah, I don't think it's that bad. I think it's all right. It's a, it's a cheap military icon claim soak card, effectively, and it's claim soak with a benefit, which is always good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's okay. Um, it's going to fill a little slot at the bottom. I don't think it'll be there forever. Um okay. But I think it's all right. Yeah, it's okay. On, um, on the subject of um, weddings as well, and and your wife, Craven, I would like to wish her a happy birthday. I'm trying oh, to I'm trying to post on her wall now to wish her a happy uh. birthday, but I haven't added her as a friend. So if she gets this out of the blue and asks you about it later, it's because I'm trying to post a picture of a cat coming out of a birthday cake uh, <laughs> <laughs> on she, her she page. Uh, so there you go. She will absolutely love that. Um, looking at Martel at the moment for two drops, we've got. Um, House Dane Knight, who's going in every Martel deck, because it's probably the most efficient weenie in the carpool at the moment. Yep. He's wearing a very fetchy purple headscarf. He is indeed. And uh, and he's um, actually, you know, accessorised with his horse. What a <laughs> Um Greenblood Trader. That card isn't leaving a Martel deck for any time soon. Yeah, that card's awesome. Sort of draw. Yeah, fantastic card. Also wearing purple. The other two drop is Edric Dane. Now, he's 12 years old. He's also wearing purple. And he is. If you look at the art, I don't know what's going on here, but it looks like he's just stabbed someone to death with a length, with a length of um, tubing. <laughs> it's like the end of Commando. <laughs> Stick around. No, let, let off some steam, Bennett. He's just done someone in with his brilliant <laughs> bowl haircut. <laughs> don't fuck that up, Edric Dane. However, he's probably going in at least twice in Martel decks at the moment. You don't yep. need him in twice. So this bastard daughter can replace him. Yep. To an extent. So she goes straight in. Yep. Writing in a diary. Cheap, efficient. Yeah, we like that. Um, like you say, not great long-term, especially, like again, at the moment, people are rarely um, having issues with reserve values and discard and things, so the discard effect's not really going to harm you too much as if you're getting that triggered against you um but the one good thing is that it's claim soak that does something when it dies 
which is always good. Yeah, superb. And we like that. It's not the card Martel deserves, it's what it needs. Yep. So, um, what are we are up to next? Our long term plan. Who's that? That's, uh, that's me. Yeah. As Craven says, long term plan. It's a loyal Martel plot, it is a scheme, and it has. Four, three, one, with a reserve of eight, which is quite high for reserve. That's massive. Yeah, I don't see why that's relevant at the moment, but maybe we'll see so later. It has the text, You do not return unspent gold to the treasury during the taxation phase. It has a reaction, after you lose a challenge, gain one gold, and it's a limit one per plot deck. Now, the first thing I think about this card is, there's so many fucking weird things going on with this artwork. Firstly, what is that he's passing over to? Is it a, a chess piece? I don't know, it's like a, yeah, I thought chess piece originally, but it's like a, a kind of swanky chess set where they, the horses, the rooks, no, the knights, sorry, are um, dragons. But, but, what, why? Why is that relevant? Is this Savas? Are they playing Savas? Because Savas has pieces. Is that a game? And I think you take them. What? I didn't. I didn't realize this. This is the freaking event card in 1.0 called a game of Savas. I didn't realize it was actually a game. Oh, no, Savas is a board game. I think it's a circular game, like what? a circular board. And it, I'm going to look it up now. But I'm fairly certain Savas is some sort of chess. You know, like every sort of fictional universe has got some version of chess. Mind blown. Um, yeah, Savas is a, is a board game. Wow. Here we go. I'm on the wiki of Ice and Fire as we speak. Um, and also, Doran really fucking loves Sebas. Because um, um, the artwork is Hugo Hill playing Sebas, isn't it? And he plays it on the boat with a lot of those Dorkish yeah. people. Um, Sebas is a game which originates from Volantis. It's played by two players and features ten pieces, each with different powers and attributes. Um, ben Plum played it. Opportunity missed FFG. Why haven't you released Sivas, the board game. Come on. If you're sitting comfortably, I'll begin. There are ten different pieces available. There's the rabble, the spearman, the crossbowman, light horse, heavy horse, trebuchet, catapult, oh, here we go, dragon, elephant. There it is. Yeah. The king is the most powerful piece in the game. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, here we go. That's actually made it a a lot more interesting. So they're playing Sivas. Nice. Uh, my second point about the artwork is, what the fuck's going on with his hand? He's got a tiny wrist. He's emaciated. This guy yeah. hasn't eaten for weeks. And he, uh, it's, it's Doran, isn't it? Look at the gouty knuckles. That's Doran yeah. with Ilaria, Ariane. Yep. Either that or it's just someone with a really muscular hand due to none of fapping. Uh, look look at the reddening around the knuckles. That's gout, mate. It is. Slam dunk. Lol Craven, MD, in the house. We've just broken down the entire artwork of that card, ladies and gentlemen. And now you it's you don't get this anywhere else. You don't. Um, anyway, what does it what does it do? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about what it actually does. Okay, so uh, me personally, I don't think the card's that good. So you've got four, three, one. Okay, so the stats are probably average in terms of attributes, comparable to the rest of the core set and what we've seen so far. It's got eight reserve. Um, so. That's massive. I, that is huge. But, yeah. And again, in all the games I've played a second edition, which admittedly isn't millions, but enough to make this a point, I've never discarded down for um, reserve. Okay, I have maybe once. Once yeah. I've probably done it. I mean, what I think they're getting at with 
the design of the card is it's a plot that you play on a turn that you're trying to stall for that one turn and then drop like more next turn so you're going to keep more of your gold back which means you're going to keep more of your cards in hand which is why that eight reserve might become pertinent and then next turn you're going to try and splash out loads of stuff and push for you know, a bigger win, which works with the current Martel synergy with them winning yeah. by lots of strength. So it's a late game, stall this turn, rush next turn. Have you but actually um, played much Martel? Yeah. N- no, not really, because it's terrible. Ian, have you played any Martel? Uh, no, unfortunately not. Dave was training with them. Okay. I, I mean, I closed a game the other day using Doran's, um, Doran's scheme or Doran's game. Doran's game, yeah. I closed a game with that and it. There was nothing the guy could do about it. Yep. It was absolutely smash mouth, but it's so yep. situational. Yeah, it really is. I think uh, that's the main thing for Martel, is it's very situational. And the problem being with him is there's no solid source of in-house draw. Yep. And they really need it. And this like, plot isn't it. I like this plot in one regard. The second part of it is if you lose a challenge, you gain a gold. However, with free initiative, anyone who's got any sort of smarts will just make you go first. Yep. Because the thing is, like, you don't want to go second against this. Absolutely. Because they're going to lose challenges, lose challenges, lose challenges, bang, blah, 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 sword, whatever. Yep. Just make them go first. And it doesn't matter how much fucking gold they got. Absolutely. Like you're saying, with the low initiative, it becomes really relevant. And that being said, I know Martel are the house that wants to be losing gold, but there are much more effective reasons to want to lose the challenge other than to get one gold i mean yeah. even if you lose three challenges it's a seven gold plot i mean why not just play something better yeah this is entirely reliant on you be able to hit back and drop a big event yeah but just if you see this just don't do don't let them do it yep so yeah i, I don't like it i don't see this really making it it's not just bollocks because vast off rack is definitely that but yes um, <laughs> i don't particularly like no, I could. I really wanted Martel to get something good, good in this pack, like a really good card, because they could use a, a bit of help. That being said, fucking hated Martel in 1.0. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe it's best if we keep him down as long as possible. Then yeah, who didn't? Okay, right. Support of the people. Um, this has been spoiled. Yep. I think we've mentioned this. It looks like a Soviet propaganda poster. Um, <laughs> we all think it's pretty. It does, doesn't it? Um, Rowan absolutely loves this for that reason alone. Um, yeah, it's all right. We'll, we can probably gloss over. We talked about Street of Sisters. Yeah, well, we, we we did these. Yeah. yeah, these were leaks last week. It was um, Street of Sisters. Of course, they've taken away the uh, lovely reducer that it used to be, and I've now turned in. So do I. So much. Um, the streets were absolutely amazing, and now I think it's safe to say if this one's gone this way, the rest are going to go the same way. Which is quite upsetting. Yeah, I think almost definitely that's going to be the case. I'm, I wouldn't really be concerned about running this unless a very specific rush build. The one thing I will say about both support of the people and street of, street of the sisters is I like the consistency of all the cards that have been released so far. With the I don't think the exception of any, to be honest. All being it has to be five strength that you win the mm. challenge by because that consistency really helps them with design and helps you with challenge maths in that you know that it's always five strength. Yeah. And I really like that they've kept that consistency throughout all of the cards so far. That's a fantastic point, and also it does push us towards. Using the bigger characters. The bigger characters, which is what they yes. wanted, isn't it? I know I said earlier on, I think we're going to slip into that old one of this cost curve, but I still think big characters are going to be important. Yep. And uh, it's nice to see that. 
So, yeah, okay. Um, Peel, you can do the last one, mate. I shall. It is called Live to Serve Conclave Kingdom Traits. Uh, when revealed, search a deck for a maester character with printed cost three or lower and put it into play and then shuffle your deck. Um, yes! So, yeah, to the gates. Have the gates. If you're listening to this for the first time, um, you might as well know we love maesters on this show. Uh-huh. Um, and now we've got a deck which finds them. This is an almost exact reprint of At the Gates. Um, it literally, the only change is that it's not 3 1 1, it's 3 3 1. The yeah. text is exactly the same. And obviously, the introduction of reserve. Anyway, yeah. But, um, fantastic. Which suggests to me there's something good with maesters coming eventually, mm. whether it's a maesters path or, or whatever. Who knows? <laughs> It's going to be oh, sexy. Thank God. Now, what's going on with this artwork? I don't know. Um, I think this guy with a beard here is telling this guy, look, mate, that leg's got to come off. Because it looks like he's in bandage, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And he's like, mate, look, sorry, there's nothing we can do. The leg's coming off. He's like, oh, fucking hell, really? <laughs> um, also, in the window, there's a raven coming in, coming in hot with <coughs> nose. I was going to say, like, what is that out of the window? Is it, a, is it a raven in a blur hole? Holding, grasping a snake? It does look like he's flying a snake in through the window. As if he's like, it's a message uh, from Dawn. It's a message from Dawn. They've got Marcella. <laughs> it's almost it's a threat. Okay. Of course it's a threat, Jamie. <laughs> it's as if uh, he's flying it in right now. I've brought in some specialist and the raven's just flying like someone yeah, in the window. <laughs> Hang on. This, this bird's a specialist. Yes, mate. He's trained for years. I don't want a bird to fucking opinion, mate. This is my leg. No, look, seriously, he's a good, he's a doctor. Yeah, he's got a snake. That'll give it rot. Are you even a maester? <laughs> nah. Nah, there's, not really. I've got so this chain in a kinder egg. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much going on in the artwork. But why is ice in the picture? Because Eddard's not there. That was not Eddard, is it? That's... And also, it looks like there's a very, very sort of dark blue dragon lurking behind in, all in, of them. That's what I was going to say. And is, no one's noticed. Is it a dragon or is it a lion? He's like whispering, look, mate, look, I know about the leg's a problem, but... Do you know where, where Eddard gets don't his move. leg? There's a dragon behind you. He can't see you if you don't move. You know where, where Jamie gets stabbed in the leg? This isn't that scene where Jamie... Uh, not Jamie, sorry. Hang on, Peel. When does Jamie get yeah, stabbed no, in the leg? Yeah, no, wrong one. When, <laughs> when Ned gets stabbed in the leg, this isn't the bit afterwards where he's like, right, okay, come up, we'll bandage it up. Oh. And this is all the like different people trying to kill Ned, is it? Like, look Ooh. at that, you've got Martel <laughs> Snake coming up, that's a dragon... But that guy looks too hench to be Pycelle. And surely Pycelle will be the most of it tended to Ned. Yeah. You never know. He looks pretty stacked. I mean, Pycelle was quite... This guy looks like he could, you know, bench. This guy... This most of lifts. Yeah. He's got his... Uh, he's got his gym uh, link. Yeah. Also as well, what's with the random globe thing in the back? What is yeah, that? I'm hoping that that's a shield or a mirror. An oldie time mirror. It looks uh, like a portal to another dimension. It could be that yeah, as well. This cheeky maester's definitely got a massive vial of absinthe from the desk. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He knows. <laughs> okay, so that's taken the black. Spoiled. It's completely spoiled and analysed. Also, we're looking currently at BoardGameGeek.com's blog post, aren't we? Yep. Do me a favour, fellas, and just scroll right to the top. Yeah. For the watch, spelt four wrong. <laughs> F-O-U-R is a number. It is indeed. Anyway, right. That's brilliant. So, that was that. There we go. That's taken the black. We've only got one, in my opinion, just bollocks card, and that's Vastothrak. Yeah. Any any options for that, or are we agreeing on that one? I think it's bollocks. Vastothrak is, is absolute bollocks. Yeah. But dog's bollocks. 
It's hard to tell. I, I think I know what my dog's bollocks is. Well, what's your dog's It's got to be the rise. It's got to be the, the crackers coming back, you know. Now, I want to say that. I want to say that as well. But I have to say, we glossed over these ones, but I think the dog's bollocks for me is the hound. I'm with you on that one. Definitely. The hound has just got so much utility. Yeah, all right then. Ambush as well. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. He's just such a well-rounded card. There's so much going on with him that just is fantastic. Honestly, three for six in this environment is massive. The only cost-to-strength discrepancy like that is Jorah. And Jorah's got a very limited shelf. Yeah, three attacks. I believe three challenges. Then he's gone. That's it. Yeah, and and his forced response triggers before the renown goes on. So you can't close with him. That, that's the key point for me, Craven, what you just said there with the Hound, is he's amazing strength for cost that allows you to push through things that can get you your die by the sword, effectively. I mean, that's your main use for him. You are, you're in control with the Hound, whereas you're yep. not in control with you. Okay, so let's move on to um, listener questions. Once again, thank you everybody so much. You've, you've really... Um, things like this make it worthwhile. Like, when I put out a little question... and. I see so many responses and stuff. It just makes it so much fun. My favourite thing um, about it now is it's not even Thrones-related questions. People are coming to us with their problems. <laughs> I feel like yeah. in a few years we could replace Jeremy Kyle as a three-man yeah. team. They want to hear what we think about <laughs> things, and basically we are not qualified to answer any of these questions. <laughs> we will give it a damn good shout. Try. Uh, so the, the first response is Josh Chambers. Hello, Josh. Um, what are the effects, if any, of the UK's 5p bag tax on the packing of bags. Uh, now, Dave's qu- answered this. Dave's actually taken time out of playing Draft, which I think Dave is playing at the moment, mm-hmm. to answer this. He, he's summoned by the very by the terminology. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the effects for me are minimal because I shoplift and I don't pay for... I don't have to use a carry bag if I'm shoplifting. Um, <laughs> that, is, that is, of course, not true. I'm a man of the law. Um, I have been buying carry bags. Um, and I have you. Yeah, I have been buying them, and a friend of mine um, took his carrier bags back, which is completely legitimate. He took them back with his receipt and got a refund on them. What? What? You can do that? Yeah, because they are they are receipted. They, they are, are receipted goods. <laughs> wow! And they are then they are subject to the um, statutory rights that every consumer in the UK has. So if you take them back in the condition they was given to you in, with your receipt, you're entitled to a refund. Excellent. I am going to try this. Um, he got fifty p back. I must admit, I'm a my the effect that the five p bag tax has had on me is the day I forgot about the five p bag tax and couldn't be bothered to do another transaction. So I took the basket in which my shopping was in. Uh, oh, legend! And now I've got the ba- <laughs> as the basket downstairs in my kitchen, which is actually I tell you what, if you haven't tried this, a basket in the boot of the car doesn't roll around like bags do. You know, you, you open that, you've got tin goods in there. They're not all over the boot. You haven't got to go searching for them. They're all in the same place you left them. Phil, that's legendary, mate. You've got a free basket. A free basket. No one even questioned it either. Not one person. And if, it, if anyone's listened to this from the police or indeed Asda, um, that's not stealing because Peel wasn't actually you know, explicitly told he couldn't take it home. No, no, no one so, tried to um... stop me. And I feel like it's my right, if no one tries to stop me doing something, that I'm allowed to do it. Um, so for any, uh, any Americans or Europeans listening, um, just a, a little bit of explanation. Uh, supermarkets, shops, anywhere you go to, which gives you carrier bags to carry your purchased goods home. The UK has recently introduced a 5p charge per bag in the interest of um, well, okay, Envi- environmental yeah. stuff, isn't it? Environmental. Which is all very good. But um, being British, people... we like to moan. 
you could say a lot of people kicked off about it like it was the worst thing ever it's like firstly if you're gonna complain about it bring your own fucking bags and secondly it's five pence come on yeah most places offer you a 10p bag for life they do indeed so you can do that so basically josh it hasn't really affected us unless bambi you've specifically gone to buy baileys and been caught short by lack of a bag have you no no but i think the one thing is now with the bag tax obviously if we're packing our bags in future we maybe have to consider drinking the bailey straight out of the bottles so as to help further help the environment by not consuming from plastic or otherwise glasses another Legit. Yeah, I like the idea of that. Another thing on this is I can see it being in a great way to stay in shape. Uh, if you've ever tried carrying back your, your shopping and bags, it's normally just on one arm. This time, you like carrying it underneath you as if you're cradling a baby. Um, it's like Atlas Stones in World's Strongest <laughs> Exactly, Man, and it? when you've got about yeah. 12 bottles and you really, you know, just the principle of it. Do you want to buy a bag? No, it's the principle. That's the only reason why we don't want it. It's, it's you know, morally, we've been given stuff for free for many years. Now we're being told we have to pay five pence for it. And we're a little bit outraged like this, like all people. It's like um, yeah. paying car tax or something. Um, yeah, we're uh, normally we're like, this bag is free. I'm going to stick it in the bin and maybe one day it might choke a seagull to death. Now I've got to pay 5p for it. You can piss off. Um, right. <laughs> and that summarises I do it. like... I like seagulls, I do. Um, actually, I don't know. They're really fucking noisy. Oh, fuck um, it, seagulls. Um, right, Mach has asked, which is the right Joffrey Baratheon. Mach, we love you, but we're going to roll this over to next week because this is rolling on a little bit. And that there's five Joffreys. I didn't even know this till Bambi searched. So this is a, a question for another day, unfortunately. Um, right, Will Carter... The master, he's developing a kind of, um, almost sort of black belt level of, of, of expertise in off-topic questions. And also likes the Spice Girls. So we're going to entertain this one. Mm. Is Mel B the most underrated of the Spice Girls? <laughs> now, I didn't respond to this immediately. Are you judging this by musical success or by getting knocked up by Eddie Murphy? Because she's brilliant at that. Um, is she underrated? I would, so, I, mean, I would say she's overrated. Um I know that sounds bad, but I saw it on... Has anyone ever watched a big fat quiz of the year? I, I have in, in the past. She was, on, never seen her. she was on it once, basically. Um, she was on it, and she was fucking horrible, plain and simple. She wasn't funny, she wasn't in any way charismatic, and I just looked at her and thought, how the hell have you made a living all these years? You sh- ever since the Spice Girls disappeared from the radar, I, I've only seen her once. That was She was a judge on... I think she was a guest judge on the X Factor. X Factor, yeah. Subjected to that once upon a time, and she did come across like a horrible, horrible person. Yeah, I can't stand the bitch. So, um, if she's rated at all, she should count herself lucky. Mm, there we go. Uh, I, I think she got lucky out of being called Scary Spice. I actually wanted to call her. I was going to use a very strong swear word then, but not very nice words, Spice. But they were like, "Ah, oh, let's let's be kind to it. We'll call her Scary Spice because it sounds like it could be a." Compliment. We can call her what's, Vaginal what's, what's, Spice. I think that sums her up quite well. What's scary about her, though? I never really got that. <laughs> her face. She's, I she's, a bit, she's a bit raw, but I mean, oh, she's scary. They should I have mean... given her a knife or something. <laughs> that you can't get. Yeah, but this was a 90s craving. You couldn't put a black guy on TV with a knife. That would just fuck shit up. Oh, God, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would have been riots. I think, um, this, I think this is why Eddie Murphy went off the rails a little bit, because if you tap that, you ain't going to come out of that all right in the head, are you? I mean, let's be honest, that's going to be some fucking freaky shit going down. Well, she's scared yeah, for a reason, let's be honest. You're going to wake up, you know, we're all done it, you wake up looking at the ceiling just thinking, Jesus. <laughs> How there? much did I drink last night? What happened there? <laughs> is this blood mine? Um... <laughs> 
Do you miss Noel's house party? Tony Makos, Cock Bongo himself. Cock Bongo himself also has got, I think, the most amount of likes as well. Yeah. I think Cock Bongo is going to Starlek, and I'm so looking forward to meeting this guy because I hope he looks like Wurzel Gummidge. (laughs) This whole time, his forum pictures, I asked Wurzel Gummidge, if that is actually his face, I was so happy. Do we miss Noel's house party? Confession time, never watched it. No, it was never really my thing. And then Deal or No Deal came on and I just despised what's his face. No, no I, I don't mind. I don't mind Edmonton. But however, and this is something we might need to explain to European or USA or anyone else who's not British. Um, we've got a little bit of a problem in Britain at the moment. And that is basically late 80s and early 90s television stars are rapidly being outed as pedophiles. <laughs> um, now, I don't, I don't suspect... For a second, I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. I don't suspect for a second Noel Edmondson is. I think Noel Edmondson is legit. I really like the guy. But, Mr. Blobby, come on. What's going on here? <laughs> so, all of, these, all of these shows from the early 90s have got a little bit of a, a tinge to them. Like, oh my God, where's that guy wronging? Um, but I've never watched Noel's House Party. I think Noel's legit. But you have got to question Mr. Blobby. I'm Googling it now to find out if Mr. Blobby was... Ever uncovered to be a paedophile? Um, he's, he's certainly ne- he's certainly never been in high court. Over no, it. well, I, it's quite hard to catch him, I suppose. Oh, yeah. from Mars. Well, uh, here's, a, here's a, a, a kind of philosophical question for you: Has there ever been just one Mister Blobby with multiple people in the suit? Slash. I Is there actually it. a Mister Blobby? He's not Slash Graven. He's he's very much real. Well, no, there's someone in there, Peel. He's not actually a entity. Oh. You've ruined my childhood. Sorry. I'm terribly sorry. Um, friend of a show, Tom Barnaby Pask. Pask? Tom Barnaby Pask asks, what's better, right or left? Well, neither. Uh, right. And in addition, well, I'm going to say left, just for, you know. Is he referring to cards or just general directional advice? I mean, <laughs> I mean if you're, oh, if you're lost and you're just posting us an option between right or left, we're maybe, not going to be helpful. Maybe Tom has been stuck at a crossroads for the last seven hours and he doesn't know which way to go. He's stuck at the crossroads of life and he doesn't know whether to go left or right and he's looking for us for some life guidance. Right hand. Right. Go yep. right. Yep. Yeah. Um, if, it, if you're talking about left and right, the um, Tyrell cards, neither. Yep. Do what I did at Nationals and basically fuck up your deck list and then just put in, <laughs> then just put in blank cards. They'll do better for you. <laughs> Um, and what is the best art on a 2.0 card currently? Tom, your question was so good we couldn't wait to answer it. And me and Bambi have answered. Peel, what's your favourite art on a 2.0 card? Oh, oh, I like King Robert's Warhammer because it looks like... Really? I, I, really? You're, you're the only person in the world. Yeah, uh, because he looks like Zombie Rob and I like the idea, the concept of Game of Thrones goes zombie. Oh, he looks like Rob Zombie. Yeah, he, he does. does. Um, and then also, I, I must admit, the rise of the Kraken art, which I've just seen today, that is just the, the anger on his face and the sheer, I'm going to mess you up, is just yeah, beautiful. We like I that. actually, change I of plan to what he's carrying, I think he might be pulling the ship ashore because he's that much of a hard part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's so yeah. hench. But like, we can't get ashore, I'll do it. <laughs> Bang. Yeah, he's just pulling it ashore by legend. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. So you like rise of the Kraken? Super. Right, so Dave M. Nicholas took our advice and thoroughly packed my bags last weekend. And he packed them himself. Good. It satisfies our concerns as a podcast and my concerns as a customs officer. Um, what's your opinion on having chapter packs spoiled so far in advance? I'd rather we knew a bit less. So when I open a pack, it's more magical. 
Ah, now this is actually a question very close to my heart because you played coming... Magic, didn't you? Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. So yeah. coming from a background in which the packs that you open are completely random, that's uh, we used to say it was literally like you're a crack addict and you had to crack those boosters and get that rush of what's inside yeah. my pack. And now with Game of Thrones for a long time now, we've always known the contents of the pack before we opened it ourselves. And it's difficult in a, a competitive environment to not get the edge and not look at the spoilers. So you always yeah. look at them. But then it's so anticlimactic when you open the pack. So, yeah, I mean, when I first started playing this, I um I didn't really have much access to um, well I had access to it, I had the internet, but I didn't really know these sort of resources existed. And um, I entered into like a pack splitting arrangement with two other guys, where I would take the Baratheon and and I think it was um, Lannister cards initially. And every time my my friend Andy would ring me up and say, "Oh, a new pack's come in." I'd go around to his place, open them up, and I'd be looking at the card for the first time. And it was really exciting. I played a bit of Magic, and even today, actually, I started playing Hearthstone again. And um, I, I'd saved up my kind of bonus gold coins again and bought myself a little pack, opened it up, and you turn the cards over individually in Hearthstone. Yep. And they make a little noise when it's like a rare one. Yep. And, oh, my God, I was so excited. I got a purple card. I was like, oh, wow, look at that. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely something too, and, you know, Having played Magic, like I said, it is nice to see things for the first time when you yep. look at it for the first time. Um, so I would quite like that. I would almost kind of appreciate if FFG said, next cycle, boom, lockdown. Yep. No spoilers. Deal with it when you see it. I would really enjoy that. No. Honestly. Um, the cons- I mean, Peel, you struggled to read cards when they've been out for two years. Yeah, exactly. Years. <laughs> I mean... It's going to be a problem for me on that basis alone, but I mean, I don't like the idea of opening something that I don't know what's inside it. Um, it's not going to be like a snap. <laughs> I'm aware that I'm not going to open it up and like get some kind of virus pop out. Like, it's going to be like a firework in it. <laughs> what a practical joke that would be. Um, but hey, Peel, we new chapter packs in. Everyone put their fingers in their ears. Something's it's, it's, it's one of these things it's it's a concept of like with magic and with the ones that have packs it's a concept of the reason why people get so into them is because it's very addictive to be given something which could either be a reward or a punishment effectively and it's it's people like that which is the basis of all rpgs and loot finding games it's the basis of all pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh, magic and all that stuff you don't know what you're getting until it's too late and and, and it's just it, it develops a weird kind of sensation in you and that sensation is almost like a, an addiction. And for me, I just don't want it in any more aspects of my life, as I never know what I'm getting in most aspects. And this is so controlled, and you can plan ahead, and you go, right. And if you can only afford one pack in a cycle, for example, you can look at which packs have got which, and you can build your deck based around on that. And I like that. I like that idea. I like the, the concept of doing something like that. Uh, I think you've just neatly encapsulated the whole benefit of the LCG system. Actually. Yeah. Definitely. You know you're getting... It's, and, um, it's, especially for new players who start late. Fun. I mean, I came relatively late to first edition. I think Bambi, you came even later than me. Yeah. Um, yeah. People, people came right to the last knockings, and they can look online and think, right, I want to build this deck, and I know I need to outlay this yeah. much. Um, so having, yeah, okay, that's a really I, good point. I, I like the LCGs. I like them. I, I mean, I mean, it probably won't happen for me because I'm kind of addicted to collecting. But there's a p- potential that months in advance, I could see a pack completely spoiled and go you know what i don't like any of those cards i'm not going to budget mm. for that yeah and people on limited income you know people who are starting out or whatever that could be a benefit 
So yeah, I think we've got a yeah, that's a pretty good. The one thing I would say is um, what they could do is maybe not spoil the artwork, so you've still got something to look forward to when you crack the pack for the first time. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because otherwise, it's just like you, you know exactly what's in there. It's just like, oh, yeah, got the pack. See, I'd be fine with them letting you know exactly what's in the pack, but just putting one shiny in there. In like one in every hundred pack, you just put a shiny in there. Because <laughs> it would just, it would just, <laughs> if you open up a pack of like cards and you, oh my god, it's a Victorian shiny! Yes! Is that thrill? <laughs> oh, don't, don't tease me. That don't thrill tease would me. just be fantastic. But you know what's going to be in the pack anyway. But we just put a shiny in there just to like, if you get it, it's like, fucking yes. It's like uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You're opening it up and get a golden ticket. <laughs> I get to go around the factory where they're all printed. Get in. Um, maybe that's how they could distribute tickets for Worlds. It's, it's not a great idea, but it's an idea, lads. And uh, I think that's important. We, we can't pay for everyone to go. Um... Right, so let's what we got next uh, from Jack Abbott. Now, Jack is a uh, he, he always comments on these. Jack's a good lad. He's a a local guy. He plays with me and Rayleigh. Um, and Jack comes from Magic, actually. Jack, um, I'm reliably informed, is a dog's bollocks at Magic. And he started playing first edition, and then second edition was announced, and Jack got the hell out. But keep an eye on this guy because he's going to be uh, uh, you know a legit contender on the 2.0 scene. And he says, how highly do we rate? the 2.0 version of Cersei. She seems to be a powerhouse, but has not delivered. Abby, what do you reckon? Um, so, uh, I did a Lannister card review for the corset for one of the French websites a few weeks back, so I actually put quite a bit of consideration in Cersei and even tried to experiment with some decks at the time just to see if I could round out my thoughts on her a bit better, because as Jack says, she kind of not really delivered, and I don't necessarily think anyone thought she would deliver for there's a number of reasons for that that being said i do think she's a good character she's cheap cheapish so she costs four um she's got a good good strength for her cost yeah four for four is pretty good it's pretty good especially when you consider that a large proportion of the characters in the corset unless you're talking about your big powerhouses sit at four strength and below so by herself at full strength, she can win you quite a lot of intrigue challenges. The reason her ability is not as effective right now is because you don't really care. Like You can't really get a lot of versatility out of her. And what I really want to try and do was, I tried to build the best part of a power behind the throne from first edition type deck. So can I do multiple intrigue challenges with high claim and try and wreck my opponent's hand? If that's a deck that becomes something that exists she becomes a fucking amazing card. If you stick Seal of the Hand on her, I mean, that's the problem at the moment. To get that deck to work, there's so many parts. You need Cersei, you need Seal of the Hand, um, you need the, is it Castly Rock that allows you to do multiple Intrigue challenges? Yeah, that's, that's for me, it triggers off Intrigue, yeah. For me, yeah. So. Um, so she's a good card, I just think that she's not a great card right now, but I think in the future, it's a good design space that she could become a lot stronger. Yeah, I get the impression Cersei's sort of in a corner waiting to the rest of the lands are going, hey, over here, I've got an entry thing going on. They're going, no, nah, no, nah, we're all right at the moment. Yeah. So she kind of exists on her own. She's doing her own thing. Um, I think it's a, it's a massive shame. Like, I kind of expected Cersei to be pushing with a six and seven costers. Yeah. She's such an integral character in the series. Yeah. Um, and in the past, I mean, in first edition, Cersei was one of those marquee characters who, who got the job done. Um, 
and it just feels like she's been relegated to mid-range status, and I feel bad about it for her because you know, Cersei's one of my favourite characters in terms of the, the stories. I think her chapters and chapters revolving her are, are the best. Um, she, she's in my top three art in first edition because Magali's art on the Cersei yeah, is, is absolutely pristine. Um, and I think in the show, Cersei's Cersei's my favourite bird. Like, yeah, I think Lena Headey is, is is yeah, fantastic. She she pushes all my buttons. Um, so I, I, for all these sort of fluff and non non kind of com, um, connected reasons, I do find Cersei being what she is now a little bit of a disappointment. It's interesting the point that you touch on there about her not being one of the big cost of characters, and I think that's. Um, a point that I've never really thought of, but the Lannister house as a whole, all of their characters, the, you know, Tywin, Tyrion, Jaime, Cersei, are all such integral characters, not just to the storyline of the Lannister household, but to the storyline of a Game of Thrones universe yeah. itself. It's yeah. very difficult to know which one to put where, whereas with a lot of the other houses, it kind of falls directly into place. So that's a really interesting point that you make there. Um, and yeah, I think you've, yeah, I, I didn't realise I was making that point, but yeah, I mean, Great, that, that makes a lot of sense because you look at Stark, you've got a good hierarchy of power. Yep. Greyjoy, Baratheon, whatever. Yep. Yeah, with Lannister, it's really complicated yeah. who to put where because yep. for the larger part of the first part of the story, Tywin is off scene. And then when he becomes Hand of the King, he really is running the show. Yep. You could also argue Cersei is always manipulating things in yep. the scene. She's married to the king, she manipulates everybody in her path. Tyrion has his own role, and Jaime fluctuates from being the villain to the, to the good guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it's a really good point. Who do you make with seven cost or a six, six cost of air? Yep. You really have to sort of defer to seniority and make timing. But yep. um, I think it's a shame. Cersei, she shouldn't be occupying this mid-range slot. So I am I am disappointed with her. What I will say, though, is I play I place the blame for Cersei being kind of relegated to this sort of background status. I place this firmly in the hands of um, Aaron Glazer. Because when Glazer published his Lannister No Agenda deck, which is fantastic, it is currently, in whatever form you wish to take it, the best answer to Baratheon Neil. And it is a fantastic deck by itself. Um, and also, I've got to give credit to, I think the guys beyond the wall had some role to play in this deck as well. Um, so everyone involved in this, they relegated Cersei and said she wasn't necessary. So when that became public knowledge, everybody jumped on that. And then Cersei is sitting there twiddling her thumbs. So this is on you, Glazer. This is on you. You've upset my queen. How one man can have so much power. What is it? Um, I can't really talk or comment on Glazer because he built me my Starlight deck. So. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. Oh, it's a good person to ask. He knows his stuff. Yeah. Um, so, Peel, have you got anything to... Second Cersei? position, Cersei. She's uh, remarkably cheap. She raises the claim. It's basically instead of doing two challenges like she, her, one of her old one first editions did her two intrigues. She now just basically has an additional claim. So she's she's nice. Uh, That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. It, really instead of making that, two intrigues now, we just make the one instead. So not bad. Um, she's a nice character. She's good, but. She, it's interesting to see where they're going to go with Lannister at the moment. I'm, I'm still not entirely sure. Uh, because they've got this new ambush tech and because they've got, you know, they've switched it all around, I'm not sure if maybe maybe Lannisters are going to be the all-out intrigue people they used to be and maybe push yeah, down other routes. It. I'd like to think that when the um, Lannister 
Deluxe, or however they work Deluxe is now comes out, that Cersei will get an upgrade. Yeah. With Megali mm. art. Damn straight. See that. So that leads us to our final questions. From uh, from Callum Johnson, Wex Pike I like this himself. question. I'm putting that. As a precursor to David's success at Worlds, which we all are hoping, you know, God will, Dave wins Worlds. And if Dave doesn't, I'd like to see a European win Worlds. And I know Jakob's there, Laplante's there, and a few others have made it over. Um, I'm going, for example. Uh... So all our European um, representatives, we hope you do very well. But we hope Dave does better than all of you. Hmm. Um, what would our champion cards be? Callum says his would be a reprint of Kings of the Sea Wex Pike, which we uh, probably could have put. Two on. icons. It's on his sneak, but yeah, sneaky, yeah, the unopposed one. Yeah, you haven't got a crest. Haven't got a crest. You oh. can't defend. But of course, that wouldn't work in second edition. Mm. There's no crest. <laughs> it would be, be very bad, card, actually. <laughs> uh, if... Yeah. So anyone can defend. Anyone can defend. Um, right, Peel, can you edit from that point? Because I really need a piss. I don't want to sort of be. Uh, no, that's fine. You go for a quick pee. Okay, I'll be two minutes. He's drunk too much rum. Rum. He's drunk too much. (laughs) Sorry, he's too much rum. Raven has drunken all the rum. He has become a drunken pirate, um, and it's his missus's birthday. So afterwards, I can only imagine what he's up to tomorrow. Yeah, but in that way. <laughs> I've, I've added his missus on Facebook as a friend, so I'm going to try and send her. Uh, I've been trying to write on people's walls, but for some reason, Facebook's broken, so I can't. Um, so I'm going to put out a post from Banter behind the throne instead. Um, good luck. Two. Is it Mrs. Craven? They're married, isn't it? It would, it would be Mrs. They Craven, wouldn't it? Yes. Very happy. She is. Amy Teresa yeah, I'm Craven. Tiger as well. I don't do this Facebook stuff very often, so for me, it's very, very tricky. I'm not sure what's going on. I've got a lovely picture of a cat eating a birthday cake, um, or at least sitting, sitting at a birthday Sounds cake, good. looking upset about the whole situation. So that's going out. Um, Where did you I find just this typed picture? in birthday cat cake on Google. Uh, <laughs> of course you did. Where else do you find things in today's modern world? Google, if you don't know it. <laughs> you typed into Google birthday cat cake. I'm terrified as to what might have come back, buddy. Thank God you didn't type pussy cat cake, because that would have be been fair, way worse. Have you seen Ted 2 yet? Um, I thoroughly recommend no. you watch it. It's actually quite amusing. I'm, I was pleasantly surprised, but there was a, a, a quite amusing okay. reoccurring joke where you're only two clicks away from black cocks on the internet. Uh, because no, <laughs> yeah, they're like they're just googling things all the time, and it's like, did you mean black cops? It's like, god damn it, go away! And um, just, I, I realised the other day how dominant porn is all over the internet, as it's literally everywhere. Okay, I'm back. Right, I'm tr- where, where, where? just uh, I believe we're about to go into oh, champ cards. Okay. Anyone got any ideas? Do you want to go first? Um, I literally wouldn't even know I, where to start. I would probably have something that relates to Craven. Uh, not Craven, sorry. Um, <laughs> you like me. Why not? I'd probably have our faces <laughs> on, a, on a card going, ha ha. Um, but no. 
that was my my only thought ever was to when I thought about it was to have like a men of pride type card with just all the Cornish paramours on there. But like, come on, guys, rep up. I'm not just having me on there. I want everyone <laughs> just to come get with everyone me. you know. Yep, that's a good answer. We like that one. Um, I would probably have some kind of event that linked in nicely with something to do with unopposed challenges. Um, Oh, no, it would be a neutral card. Yeah, that's right. I wouldn't just limit this fantastic tech to to just Greyjoy. Actually, yes, I would. Um, But it it would basically be effectively a murder type card if an unopposed challenge gets through, sacrifice someone. Uh, Yeah, yeah, in hindsight, it it does sound a lot like the Seastone chair. Um, so, so Peel's champ card is an alt R Seastone chair <laughs> with me sitting on it going aha look chair. at all these penises um look <laughs> <laughs> my cock chair you're only two clicks away <laughs> I Bill. am I'm literally two clicks away there we go I think that's well I would I have thought about this and um mine's only first edition related really I haven't really thought about something I could slot into second edition and as it stands, my first edition champ card probably won't even be relevant. But um, I really enjoy Greyjoy Maesters. But Greyjoy haven't got an in-house Maester, which can't be Venomous Bladed or Enslaved. So mine would be a, a Greyjoy Maester, who is at least three strength and three cost. So it escapes those things. And looking through, um, I've got the, uh, the World of Ice and Fire in front of me, and I've consulted... The wiki of ice and fire and there was an archmaster back in the day so he's dead by the time the game sort of starts but that doesn't really preclude people from being included yeah. um laughing storm valerian um mad king to name a few there's an archmaster called hake who was born on harlow which makes him an ironborn um and he is the person who you have a quote about every captain is a king mm-hmm. uh, that was him so um He's definitely got a real Ironborn Greyjoy flavour. And all that lovely stuff that triggers to Ironborn would work on him. And he's a solid maester to sort of prop up that deck. So, um... That's some legitimate thought that's gone into that, dude. That sounds like the makings of a champ card, which needs to get you to win Starlight now. You can just build a variant of that for 2.0. I really have thought about this. Um, so, yeah, it would be Archmaster Hake, or Hakey. I guess it's Hake, because there's no kind of accent on the E. Um... Yeah, he wrote a history of the Ironborn, not to be confused with the other guy who wrote a massive history of the Ironborn. I think his name began with H as well, but I can't remember exactly what it is. Um, but yeah, it'd be Archmaster Hake would be my champ card. Craven, I'm going to offer you something now. I need to stop doing this because, you know, as we know at Nationals, I offered Wedge that uh, if he won the tournament, he could name my firstborn child. But I'm going to give this to you now, Craven. If I get to the final of Starlake and you're my opponent, I'll scoop just so you can have that card. Oh, that's very uh, cool of you. You're welcome. Um, it's well, also... bearing in mind that he still has to play in the castle <laughs> if I win, so that you know, I'm, I'm not letting him forget. <laughs> I um... put it this way, Peel. I've got. I'm, I'm putting more effort into designing my champ card than I am to saving it for the castle. <laughs> nice. Take from that. <laughs> Thank you for the, your uh, your words of encouragement. Um, yeah. If Waff can make top sixteen, at exactly. LA, that was my theory behind it all. Yeah. Um, I. I would like to see an event, actually, where um, you can take control of someone's son. Um, No, 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 not like that. (laughs) Almost based off, you know, obviously, when Ned Stark takes Theon Greyjoy after suppressing a rebellion. Um, Like, yeah, you play an an event and you take control of a character who is 
bloodline related to another character on the board. And well, have you have you heard of a free cost attachment called Miller Soldier's Favor? Yes, but this one stops them making challenges against you um, for two turns. Uh, military challenges? No, just military challenges Never. against you for like two phases or or two rounds or something, something along those lines. Just be like, ha ha ha! I've got your son. And then, and then after, that, then after the third round, yeah, they take your, your entire house, burns your castle to the ground. So you got to win quickly with it. Um, it kills your master. Let's be honest. You know, something like that kills your master with an axe. Kills me, yeah. It stabs him <laughs> in the guts with a screwdriver. Um, <laughs> what's your favourite card, then, guys? Beginning with Q. 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 There's nothing That's really for Q Q's. there. No, there's not. There's Carl yeah, Maid. Yeah, that's mine. I'm going to go Maid. with. Oh. See, I was going to say Quarrel the Maid as well, but obviously you've already taken that, so I'm going to have. You can yeah, say Carl that. We've done this my favourite one. He's, uh, you know, you've got a few. You, well, you could always have like one of the big, lovely eight-cost armies because Queen Marcel's guards are in there. But I'm not sure why you'd want them. Come yeah. on, there's, there's some much better choices. Right, the the correct answer here is Kyburn because that guy's fucking legit. I've literally won so many games with that card. I even at one point, tried to design a kindly man esque deck that ran Kyburn and what's that zero cost Martel Baratheon location that after you win a challenge by full strength, you can put a card back into shadows. Oh, it's um Cape Wrath. Is that what it's Cape, called? Cape Wrath. That's it. Yeah. Uh, that tried to utilise both of those using Cape Wrath out of house to try and keep putting Kyburn back in shadow so I could keep stealing stuff out of the dead pile. That could um, work. I mean, yeah, that would work pretty well. Um, um, I love Kyburn. He's such a great card. And also as well, Question Claim used to be... Uh, I remember when... Um, I hate saying his name to give him props because he's... Ugh, but when Reese used to play his... Uh, Bloodthirst deck, question claim was money in that deck mm. because you do all your challenges and then just shut the opponent down doing any against you. That card had, used to have such great versatility. Uh, back in the day um, when I used to play, um, before Conquest came out, when Jewel House was hard, kids, <laughs> I used to play Baratheon Lannister Alliance in melee, um, melee decks. And I took this to the first winter was coming, I went to, and uh, question claim did some serious work there. And I was trying to think what Dave would say if he was here. Like, I can't think of one. Is it, I don't know, like the, Quentin's Guard? I reckon he'd, he'd choice, love something it? like that. Yeah. I mean, Quentin's Guard, I think. Oh, what about Queen Marcella's Guard? I reckon they must be, as far as Martel goes, I reckon he must love I them. C- I can't think of a single Martel Guard they're going to be no. too, they would like more than no. Marcella's Guard. Vengeful, no attack from steps. Shall we, shall we just say his favourite card is Quora in Halfhand? Because, let's be honest. He loves a military oh, David challenge would love more than any of us. And he loves having he half does. a hand. It's his favourite thing. He does love having half a hand. That's a champ card. I did not realise that was a champ yeah, card. It no, it's not. Corrin half hand's a champ card, yeah. Oh, man. Really? <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel kind of bad for the guy. <laughs> I've never seen that played once. After you win a military challenge by four or more total strength, Choose and kill one non-unique character with pretty strength three or less controlled by the losing opponent. That's pretty shit. Has to be non-unique and strength three or less. I, we, I feel bad for the for the champ um, if he's listening. Uh, the champ. The champ. Who was it designed by? Can we? It's a. Oh, it's a melee. Um, it's a bit. 
Jonathan Benton. Malay champion Jonathan Benton. Well, well done for winning, Jonathan. Yeah, props to Jonathan. Yeah, you've done well, man. Uh, you're in sort of good company. Good old Johnny B. What a guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's not that great, is it? They screwed you over, dudes. When you get that reprinted in 2.0, you need to go to town on that bad boy. Yeah, definitely. I'm assuming that's Corrin in the art getting his hand literally hacked off. Almost uh, in half. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's got quite a... um, There's no good way of saying this, so I'm just going to go for it. He's got quite a nice helmet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is quite a good helmet. It looks quite elvish. Yeah. The sword as well has got an elven feel to it. Yeah. This should have been a Lord of the Rings art, shouldn't it? Yeah. (laughs) So, there we go. That's our listener questions. Mate, we will get to yours next week or probably the week after because Dave's going to bloody bang on about Worlds probably when he gets back. Um, if he gets back, if he hasn't won, of course, I'm banning him from re-entering the country. Um, I would like have we got anything more things, to add, chat? Um, if that's possible. Um, obviously, at the weekend, ahead. me and Dave played yes. a couple of tournaments. Um, we did yes, play, um, obviously, this. on the Northampton. Thank you, everyone who came down and said hello to us. It was very nice. It was nice to see everyone. And we were invited to a mini second edition tournament in a, in a week or two's time, me and Dave, uh, which will be good to go and meet some new um, and some more players in the local area. That's going to be fantastic. We'll more to follow on that next week. Um, Stoke, I also played my first second edition tournament. Uh, it was a good turnout, actually, with about 18 people. Uh, which for a kind of a tournament which was literally arranged, I think it was about three weeks ago, and um, didn't have prize for because obviously it wasn't a nationals, it wasn't a, not a national, sorry, it wasn't a regionals or any or any kind of properly arranged tournament. It was just kind of on a whim, and it was a fantastic turnout. It really was, and it was great to see all the lads there playing second edition. And I mean, yes, although I came up against Baratheon, and yes, although even I found myself cursing the high heavens. Uh, to it. After I'd lost two games to Baratheon, I got to play some real decks, and then it got more interesting from that point on. Um, so a big thank you to everyone who turned out and said hello to us there as well. It was a really nice day for us all. But again, me and Dave will follow up on that a bit more in the future. Um, but it's always good to go up to Stoke and see all those lot. Excellent. That's great. Yeah, Stoke is a great thing. Mm. Eddie and Steve are good guys. It's a good story. Yeah. And they give yeah. such good um, price we, support. I think Dave yeah. managed to get even more um, kind of free swag, <laughs> just for asking nicely, as he as he usually does. So that's that's always good to have. I think. I mean, if you ever get the opportunity and you see um, winter is coming, advertised at Stoke. Oh yeah, just go because the prize support there is insane. The first one I went to, they gave out the, um, the hound's helmet, um, like a proper full size replica. Absolutely. Superb, and they gave away Longclaw yeah. and Marker. Yeah, Marker uh, one more thing actually, I did oh, notice shit. while I was in Stoke. They had um, me and Bamford were there. We brought these custom house cards, which were kind of laser etched onto wood. Um, and I'm not sure if you've seen pictures mm. of these. We're taking them to obviously Starlek, and they are fantastic. Um, I've made sure we've got one of every house. Uh, we basically we brought. I brought one. I've obviously brought the Greyjoy one. And I thought the nice watch one looked cool, so I put that as well. And then before I knew it, we were her. Uh, well, we we picked up every single one of them. Um, so big thank you for putting them on sale. I mean, they weren't even a store official item. It was just something one of the locals was selling. And I'll make sure I get the name of that local. Um, when I play it, I'll make sure you know he knows that it's coming to Europe with me. Um, and apologies for forgetting the name. I'm just really bad with them. <laughs> yeah. Good shout out, Peel. 
Good work. Um, okay, great. So um, we are about what? Three we are. weeks away from Starlek. Yep. Have you guys decided? That was my third thing. <laughs> no, no, oh, no, go no. on in. Sorry. We're on the same wavelength, mate. We've been doing this too long. I, was suggest, um, I am looking for a deck to take the Starlek. Uh, I, I mean this on a genuine. I genuinely. Oh, be careful, that. Peel. Be careful. <laughs> I did this before Nationals, and I got Valerian behind the front. I mean seriously, this in, a, in a very serious way. <laughs> I, I would like a deck to take the Nationals. I mean, I'm not definitely going to take it, but I would love recommendations. Any builds you've got in mind or anything that you think I would enjoy playing, please do send them in um, because I would love to give them a tryout before I go um, as I can't play Black Sails in a tournament again other than Melee um, because I want to change and I want a chance of winning and I haven't done that with that so far. So any suggestions, please let me know. I'm open to house changes. I'm not looking for just Greyjoy. I'm open to Martel. I'm open to... I know, oh, but I'm open to Martel Greyjoy, and Greyjoy yeah. at the same time. <laughs> well, I mean, I had this discussion with Whammer because I was, I was flirting with the idea of Black Sails and, and, and Whammer and a few other people who mm. are better players than I have said to me that Black Sails may not be the great choice. Um, with Harren Hall's restriction, there's a lot of control elements mm. probably coming back um, and Black Sails is very reliant on getting through key challenges. Yeah which can be controlled relatively <coughs> easily if exactly. you've got a control package in place. So, um, yeah, Black Sails, yep. getting rid of that is a good idea. I think I mentioned earlier on, obviously I did make my statement I was done with Greyjoy, but having played a lot of games of Whammer today and being on the end of a Greyjoy deck, I kind of don't no. want to leave them. So I'm, I'm really in a pickle about what to play. What about you, Bambi? Are you sorted? Are you... I am sorted. I know what I'm taking. It's just uh, minor tweaks before the end of it. It's not what I ever thought I would be taking, and I'm sure uh, DC okay. would not approve. Or, or maybe they would, because it came from Glazer. Who knows? So, um, um, obviously, no spoilers. I don't expect you to give away your tech, but have I played this with you? Yes. Oh, okay, I think I probably know what it is then. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's good. Is it very yeah, good? It's, good, it's good fun. I think it's going to catch a few people napping as well. It yeah. certainly caught me out. Okay, great. So um, thank you for listening, everybody. Um, next week, hopefully, Dave will be back to tell us about how he won Worlds. Woo! Just be me and you will, again, um, Craven. Be picking up mate's yeah. question. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Dave banned. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, next week we will cover mate's questions, some more user question, uh, listener questions, and we will be um, hopefully doing a Malise segment for anyone. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, preparing to go to Starlick, the little finer points of Malie, because I, I don't know about you guys, but I started playing Malie, and then I, I joined the tournament scene, and it became yeah. all about Joust for me. So it's It would be nice, nice I'm god-awful at Malie. And um, I'm about to do a, uh, a sign-off. Sign off? We've never done this before. So, uh, okay. yeah, let's do it, because Dave doesn't like sign-offs. So let's do a sign-off. So um, I've been Lord Graven. Thank you for listening very much, and um, leave your comments. We love our feedback. And uh, yeah, that's it from me. So say goodbye, everyone else, and that'd be it.